0: Hi and welcome to the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge with Senior Ministers John and Anne Giuliano. Have you ever wondered about how to better connect with God? Well, that's exactly what we're going to help you with in this week's show where you'll learn how to more fully love God, grow spiritually and help others.
1: Let's get into the Word of God. This morning, we're going to be going to three different scriptures, going to sort of lay the bedrock of where God's going to take us this morning, and uh, you can look up on the screen. I think they will be up there, so if you don't have your uh, phone here, or your Bible, or your pager, uh, you can look up on the screen. How good were pages? Anyone remember pages at all? Yes, Joe, you remember pages? Yes, do you still use a pager? No, you don't? Okay, because I wouldn't be offended if you did. I mean, we wouldn't be able to hang out anymore because it'd be too way too uncool, but I wouldn't hold it against you. That's cool. Pages, how good were they? Just lost half of the uh, younger generation right then. Just the blank expressions on their face going, I don't talk that language. Okay. So, all right. Get back to scripts. scriptures. Here we go. So scriptures. First one is Colossians 3.15. It says, and let the peace, let the peace, note that word peace, that comes from Christ to rule in your hearts for as many... For as members, sorry, of one body, you are called, here it is again, to live in peace and always be thankful. We need to take note this morning. Whenever Jesus said anything, we need to take note, let alone when he repeats himself in one sentence. We are called to live at a perpetual place of peace. Revelations 8 we we're going to flip to the back of the Bible now. Revelations eight. it says this, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. Powerful, powerful truth there. And then we're just going to skip a couple of uh, verses down, and we're going to go to Revelations 1.17. It says this, that so when I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I was dead. This is Jesus speaking to Peter here. But he laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid, for I am the first and the the last. I want to talk to you guys just for a few minutes this morning about this big idea of peace, God's divine peace in our life, and in particular a specific attribute of God's nature. So there's a specific attribute of God's nature that I want to get to and just sort of pull apart and deconstruct a bit this morning in the hope that we will better understand it and train ourselves to dwell on it a little bit more in life and lean into it because I believe that if we do, it has the incredible ability to be able to usher in this peace that transcends all understanding that Philippians 4 talks about. If you grow up in church, it's a famous scripture. You've probably heard it you know, preached about many, many times, a real, real powerful truth. You know, that's the promise that God has for us. And I believe that if we can get our heads around this certain attribute they're going to talk about of God's nature this morning, and we can better understand and learn to lean into it, in particular, when our peace for today is threatened, I believe it has the incredible ability to be able to Uh, I suppose, kick anxiety and stress and worry out of our life. You know, some of these toxins that for a lot of us, We struggle with on a daily basis, and I'm I'm one of them. And you know, I've lived out and seen firsthand in my life and some of the people that I've ministered to just the damage, the internal damage, and not just you know emotionally or mentally and spiritually, but physically that living a life out of perpetual anxiety and stress and worry does. And that's not who God's called us to be, and it's not how He's called us to live. And so, I just want to sort of hit this topic of peace today. And you know, I, I want to. Help us be able to invite and usher peace in, but also at the same time, help us establish it in such a way that it becomes something that's more consistent and permanent in our life as opposed to just occasional. Um, So is that good? We could all do with a bit more peace in our life this morning, yeah? Fantastic. Let's pray. God, we just thank you so much that you are here, and uh, Lord, we just... uh, give you this whole service. We just lay ourselves down at the foot of your cross and we just say, God, not how it will, but your will be done in this place this morning. We just thank you that we're gonna hear your word, which has the power to unlock truth in our life, God, to be able to set us free and be able to help us live the life that you have called us to live, to live life to the fullest, God, and to help us know you more. And we just thank you for that. We just ask that your word, it would accomplish everything that you have sent it out to accomplish, God, in terms of life change. In people this morning, and it would not return void in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I don't know about you guys, but I'm a fairly competitive. Person. I love my sports and uh, I grew up in a very, very sporty family and uh, very high achievers uh, out in the athletic field and in various different sports. And so, um, you know, I was always going to grow up playing sports and I was always going to grow up, I suppose, adopting that competitive uh, mentality. And I suppose that's given me a bit of an edge at times uh, when I've been competing and I've been able to, you know, have some great success out in the track and field and in different sports that I've played because of that competitive. I've got a lot of great stories uh, about where I've been able to have victory and win um, certain events and whatnot like that. But uh, on the flip side of that, my competitiveness has got me into trouble sometimes as well. And I remember this one in particular time when I was playing cricket with my next door neighbour, Aussies, we all love cricket. And uh, my brother was with me, he's about two years younger, my next door neighbour was a year younger. Um, and I was about, I think, 11, next door neighbour 10, brother nine. We were out the back, we are playing cricket. And uh, we got started, my brother was in bat first and I was bowling and uh, I'm pretty sure I ended up bowling him out for a duck, which is pretty cool. So I don't know if that's even true, but it makes me sound pretty good in this story. So we'll run with that this morning. (laughs) So I bowled a doozy, bowled him out for a duck, he's gone. And then my next door neighbour steps in and uh, he actually bats fairly well. So my brother's bowling now and uh, he ends up getting 47 47. Decent effort. Three short of a half century. So he was, he was pretty stoked with that because that's a heck of a lot better than zero, than a duck. So he's now in the lead. And then now it's my turn. And so I step into bat and I've been warming up and doing my Pilates, all that kind of stuff in the morning, <laughs> limbering up and got off to a really good start and start to slog some fours and some sixes early and the tallies rising really quickly. And it was the kind of exhibition that if Don Bradman was there, he would have learned a thing or two, you know. <laughs> So I say that with all humility as well. And um, yeah, it was gold. And I was going really, really well. And then my brother bowls this doozy of a ball, a bouncer got me. I didn't pick it. And so as I went to go play a cover drive, I ended up getting underneath it and scooping it straight up in the air. And I remember running down the pitch. I'm saying, please no, please no. I'm four off a half century, one off beating my next door neighbor. And the ball is right above my next door neighbor. And eventually it comes down and I'm running. I'm looking at him to see if he catches it. And he sort of, sort of hit his palms and then hit his chest. So it looked like he was about to drop it and I was going to be safe. And he sort of fell to the ground as he was trying to catch it. And lo and behold, he actually managed to keep it you know, up against his body. So therefore it didn't touch the so I was out and I was ropeable. I could not believe it. One short of his score, four short of a half century. I was robbed and I was livid. And as I was walking past, him, he he's on the ground. He's just cheering, man. He's got the ball up in the air and he's just fist pumping the air because he's just got out and he's, he's won there. He's got the high score of the day. I was about two meters away from him. I threw my bat down on the ground out of anger. And I just expected it to throw it and just to land on the ground and stay on the ground. Unfortunately, it came out of my hand in such a way that it landed on the handle, which meant it actually springs back up. And I'm two meters away from my next door neighbor. He's lying on the ground face up. This bat spins around and lands square on his face. No word of a lie. And I just freaked. My brother freaked. And so we ran over and we're just trying to console him. He's bawling his eyes out. He's only a little 10-year-old. He's bawling his eyes out and he gets up and he pulls his hands down, and we're all panicking. We're not knowing what to do, and he's just crying, pulls his hand down, and, and he asked me this question. He sort of looked at me with tears in his eyes. He's sort of like, is everything okay? Is everything okay? And I sort of looked at him, and I looked at his hands, which is filled with a pool of blood, and I'm just like thinking in my head, is this like a rhetorical question? Because, uh, you know, there's a pool of blood in your hands, man, so I'd say that's probably a no. Things aren't good, but I'm not going to tell you that because I didn't want to escalate it, and I was freaking out this moment, more so on the inside than the outside because I didn't want to sort of... Freak him out but what I was looking at when he pulled his hands down was two front teeth that were 90 degrees facing back into his mouth hanging off the two nerves just dangling there like a pinata like it was bad and I'm just freaking out I'm just thinking I don't and this no word of a lie me and my brother we're freaking out we don't know what to do and so you know my natural inkling is you know when something happens you take the person to mum mum fixes everything don't they I mean, I don't, I don't know where the logic was in that, cause I'm like, what is she going to do, give him a Penadol and sticky tape them back in? I'm like, but that's, that's all I had at that moment, so I'm just like, let's go back to mum, she'll fix that, and we sort of ushered him off to the next door, got him in the front door, and then I just ran in here <laughs> for the next half an hour with my brother, because we didn't know what to do, and we thought we'd probably go into jail, it's physical abuse, I didn't know what was going to happen, and anyway, story ends well. They ended up rusting to the dentist and they managed to surgically put them back in and because they were still intact and they attached the nerves, it was all good in the end. But suffice to say that uh, Michael never played cricket with us ever again, so (laughs) a bit of a bad sport in that sense, I think. (laughs) Anyway, um, yeah, pretty sad. I think they ended up moving away about a year later too. I don't know whether that had anything to do with that. It's probably to preserve the kids' other teeth. Didn't want them knocked out, so yeah, probably a good call on their parents' behalf, but anyway... I'm a competitive person, and sometimes that works for me. Sometimes it hasn't worked, you know, for me. Anyone else here competitive this morning? Put your hand up. You're a competitive person. Yep, couple of people down the front here. You can tell who the most competitive people are because they're the ones that like, I oh, put my hand up first. Got up there like <laughs> Joe down here. Well done, mate. Competitive. You'll mean to have going ping pong later on. I got a bit, I got a bit of Asian in me, mate. I'm a good ping pong player. So I think I'm quarter Asian somehow in there because of my ping pong skills. Anyway, let's move on. Moving on. You know, we're all. You know, if we're being honest with each other, we've all probably got a tiny bit of a competitive Streak in us, and you know, as Aussies, as Aussies, we love to win, don't we? We love to come first, we love to celebrate a victor. You know, it's a culture that defines so many of us. And you know what, there's nothing wrong with being competitive, there's nothing wrong with wanting to win and to come first in life, just as long as obviously that competitive doesn't, I suppose, control us and start to define um, you know inappropriate behavior like knocking out your next door neighbor's teeth and stuff like that. And we've probably all been to the sporting fields and seen people, you know, and parents in particular that have abused that. Whole competitiveness, but uh, you know, it, it's not a bad thing in any way, shape, or form. As a matter of fact, being first is actually in our nature, it's in our DNA as humanity. It actually stems from a sense, or partly stems from a sense, of wanting to do our best in life and living from a place of excellence, trying to be excellent at everything we do. And they're actually traits that flow from the very heart and nature of who God is. And I don't know about you, I don't know if you know this or not, but God, God is actually the ultimate winner. He's the ultimate winner. He's actually the ultimate victor. Because there are actually numerous uh, scriptures in the Bible that actually refer to what we call God's preeminence a big theological word, but basically it just sort of means God's firstness in our life. And I don't even know if that's a word. I said that in the first service. Can anyone clarify? Is it even a word? No? Firstness? No? As Pastor Adrian said, it is now. And it's amazing what you can get away with when you're a pastor. You're under the influence of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Set new firsts. So firstness. But although that may not make a bit of sense, basically what that means is it's just God's preeminence. The fact that he is first in all things. I mean, generation. Uh, generation. What does that mean? Genesis. Don't even know my own Bible. Who gave this guy his uh, credentials? Fair income. Genesis. Genesis 1.1 says this. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Created. So in the beginning, we have God that created the beginning, but then it also says that he actually existed before the beginning because there, there was nothing. There was just emptiness and there was just a void there, but God still exists. He's, he's actually not just the first. He's the first first in a sense. I don't know if you guys are tracking with me here. I know it's a little bit deep, but the, the point that I'm making is that God is preeminent. He is first. He's actually before the beginning. He's the first first. Revelation 22:13 13 says... I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Being first is a part of the very core nature and is a main characteristic that defines our God. You know, and I know for me personally, growing up as a child, I grew up in a fairly volatile uh, household with a lot of tension and a lot of stress, which meant that... uh, peace sort of eluded our family quite a fair bit. And it was uh, peace is not an attribute of God that I knew much of or experienced much in my upbringing. And not only that, but I've actually if I'm being honest, got a temperament and a personality that has you know, a tendency to lean uh, more towards probably stressing and worrying about things as opposed to leaning into the truth of God's word and leaning into the very nature of who God is and trusting him about my future. That's sort of the tension that I live in a lot of the time in my life, even to this day. I mean, even this week, you know, peace was something that I had to really fight for. I was in a wrestle. Um, to, to gain peace in my life, just a few challenges that I was facing that um, you know were quite difficult. And I just found myself oscillating in this tension of wanting to live out of a place of peace that I know that God died on the cross for me to have, but yet this, you know, having this anxiety and stress that was just right there, niggling at me. And uh, you know, th- this message is actually been is a life message of mine, but it was actually birthed out of the struggle of this week. Um, so this is really coming from the heart here this morning, and just being real and being raw and being honest with you guys. And you know, as I share this and share my own personal struggle, um, you know, between the tension of anxiety and stress and peace. I know there's probably a fair few of you guys out of here, right from the front, right up to the back there, where you're saying, "Aaron, I resonate with that. that that's me. That's my life. I love God, and I know that He died for me, so I could have peace. And I know that's where He wants me to live, out of that perpetual place of peace. But I just all too often find myself you know, defaulting to focusing on the stress and, and living out of a place of anxiety and worry in my life. And I know it's not good for me. We all know it's not good for us. We've seen and experienced, if we're being honest, at some point in our life, we've experienced the, you know, the negative effects That stress and anxiety has on so many different levels. You know, it robs us of our joy, it robs us of our confidence, of being who God's called us to be, our identity. And it affects us on on a cognitive level, mental level, on an emotional level, spiritual level, but then it also does a whole heap of damage to us physically as well. And scientists have been able to prove that. And so, you know, we're we're all somewhere on that scale where we've experienced the negative effects of living out of a place of stress and worry and anxiety instead of the Peace of God—that's you know the unsurpassing peace of God that's supposed to protect our hearts and our minds—and that's where I want to get us to this morning. Where you know it's not just something occasional that we experience; that we can actually get to a place where we can live out of that promise of God's peace continually in our life, and have it continually guarding and minding our heart. Is that a good thing? And so. You know, I know there's a lot of us out there that are struggling with this. And, you know, for some, for some of you, it's because of conversations I've had, but, you know, also the statistics, they, they, they scream loud uh, about this whole issue and tension between, you know, living in peace and anxiety. And I did a bit of research during the week and, um, most of you guys are probably well aware of Beyond Blue, which is one of uh, Australia's leading organisations in mental health, great organisation, especially dealing with young people and mental health. And they do a lot of work with the Australian Bureau of Statistics. And I read a report just recently, it's a 2015 report, there's probably some that uh, are a little newer uh, than that, but this is sort of the first one that came up that I found really fascinating. And so this is going the statistics I give you, they're going to be you know, fairly alarming, but They're conservative as well. Um, So four years on for 2015, we know that this is an epidemic in our society, especially amongst young people today. So they're actually going to be worse than this. But anyway, the first one is this. One in four Australians will experience an anxiety condition in their lifetime. One in four Australians will experience an anxiety condition of some type, at least one, more times than not, it's going to be a heck of a lot more than once, in their life. That means... That's 27% of Australians aged between 16 and 85. That's approximately 5.5 million. This is back then in 2015, so it's a heck of a lot higher today. But 5.5 million people that are struggling with anxiety in our, just our nation alone. 1.7 Australians, sorry, 1 in 7 Australians, will experience depression in their lifetime, a more severe case of anxiety. Depression. One in seven. Your mind just reels at that kind of percentage now. One in seven. That's 18% of Australians aged between 18 to 85. That's approximately 3.5 million people suffering from a bout of depression. Wow. Isn't that just so sad, those, those statistics, that that's the world and the day and age that we live in? As I said, that's a conservative estimate now. And so many of us, we see that in our everyday lives. And you know we can resonate with those statistics. But the good news this morning is this, that it was never, ever God's intention, nor were you ever created to live out of a place of fear and anxiety. You and I, we were created to live out of a place of joy out of a place of love, out of a place of grace and mercy and ultimately peace. These are the promises that God has us. We are wired that way. We are not wired to live from a place of fear and be controlled and defined by such toxic, uh, I suppose, attributes Well, i life. Not you'd call them attributes at all, but we were called to live out of a place and are wired to live out of a place of peace and joy and love this morning. And if we're ever going to be, do, and have all that God's called us to be, do, and have, then we're going to have to learn as God's children how to live and to anchor our lives in God's divine peace. Yeah. And we do that by learning to do life in the rhythms of God's grace. But also, not only that, not only learning to live from the rhythms of God's grace, but also to have an understanding and revelation of God's divine nature who he is, in particular, his preeminence and his firstness. I believe there's some things that we can learn. There's some implications that come from understanding God's firstness or his preeminence in our life that can help us have peace for today. So that raises the question, which is up on the screen up here. This is the first question we're going to answer. So what is the greatest robber of our peace and contentment today? What is the greatest robber of our peace and our contentment today? And the answer's wrapped up in this statement. Write this down if you're taking notes. What happened in my past and what might happen in my future? Think about that for a second. It's the greatest robber of our peace today. What happened in my past and what might happen in my future? You know, for so many of us, our today is stripped of its potential. Our ability to run the race that God has called us to run today, that Paul talks about. You know, us being able to live life and life to its fullest—that promise that God gives us in John ten ten. This is the kind of life that God has called us to live now. But so often we don't have the peace that enables us to be able to run that race and live that life. And so often it is stolen because of either what happened in my past or what might happen in my future. So that begs the question: What's the answer? How do we overcome the damage, the hurt and regret of our past and the fear, stress and anxiety of the unknown of our future so that we can have peace today and be all that God has called us to be and have all that God has called us to have? It's a good question, isn't it? And I believe that we can find the answer in two simple implications of the attribute of God's firstness in our life. And the first one is, if you're taking notes, I've got two points this morning and then we're going to come to a close. And the first one is this. It's up on the screen if you're taking notes. And I love this. I was spun out when God showed me this this week. If God is always first, which we've established that, that's an eternal truth. That's a fundamental of God's kingdom. He is always first. We've established that this morning. Theological fact. He is always first. If God is always first, that means he is more. I love that. Just right there and then, reading and understanding that. Just starts to dispel some of the anxiety and stress in our life. Just knowing that eternal truth about God's nature, that he is more than us. That he is more than the circumstances we face because he is first in this life. He's first in our world. He's first in this universe. You know, just for a second, go with me here. Let's just say that I was in a race with my son, Jesse, my eldest and let's just say that he beat me to the finish line. Now, obviously, this is a fictional story. It's hypothetical, because that's never going to happen. But just run with me here. Let's just use our imaginations. We're in a running race. He just happens to beat me by a miracle and gets to the finish line first. That means, in some way, shape, or form, he has to have more of something than I have to be able to beat me. He that has to have more skill more talent, more energy, whatever it is that you, know, you want to fit into that sentence there, he must have something more than what I do to be able to beat me to that finish line. Is that not true? Are you with me? And so in natural, obviously when we're in a running race, coming second sucks. No one wants to come second, do they? Because that's just sort of the winner of the losers. So no one in the natural wants to come second, but that's a good thing When you are being led and coming in second place to God, because if he's in front of you and you allow him to lead, that means he gets to the finish line first, which means he must have more of something than you don't. And he's always going to beat you to the finish line because he is first before us. He's first before everything. And I love that. That just resonates with my heart. I love that truth, knowing that he's always going to beat me in the race, which means he's got to have more than me. See, I don't know about you, but I lack in life. I, within myself, am insufficient. I'm not more than my pain. I am not more than my regrets. And many of us, we can resonate with that. We are not more. No matter how much we battle with that, it always ends up getting the better of us. Because at the end of the day, in our own strength, we can't overcome regret. We can't overcome and battle the hurts and the pains of the past. I know I am not more than those things. I know that I am no match for anxiety. I am no match for stress in my life. See, I don't know if you know this, but you can't do all things. You can't do all things. It's just not true. See, Philippians 4, 13 says, you can do all things, but the most important part is the next part. What does it say? Finish it off. You can do all things through, through Christ who strengthens us or who is more than us because of his firstness in our lives. Our ability to overcome our past that so often disarms our peace for today lies not in our own humanity, but rather in our ability to remember And to lean into the firstness and the moreness of who God is. I'm hoping you, this is sort of becoming a revelation. It's, it's going from head knowledge down to heart knowledge to revelation because if you can learn to understand the firstness, this theological concept of who God is and the implications of that, that he is more than your past. He is more than your hurt and the, the unforgiveness that you're battling with, the stress and anxiety that comes from the past. He is more than these things and he can help you overcome because he has the power. He is great and mighty. He is the God who holds the universe in the palm of his hands. He breathed the stars into existence, yet he's the former of of the heart of humanity. As complicated and as beautiful as humanity is, God just created out of the dust of the ground. This is the God that we serve. He is more than what you are facing. He is more than your past. And the second point is this very quickly, and we're going to bring this in for a landing. Is this? If God is always first, it means he's always before you. If God is first, it means he's always before you. Let's go back to that fictional analogy that I gave earlier on of my son beating me. If we're in another running race and he beats me to the finish line, that means in some way, shape or form that he got there before me. Does it not? If we're in a running race and he beats me, it means that he gets to that finish line before me. You know, in the natural, it can be disappointing and frustrating. I said this before, in coming in second place. But it's exactly where you want to be when it comes to allowing or walking out your journey with God. Just following in the slipstream behind him. That's what he's called us to do as disciples. We're called to be what? Followers of Jesus. To come in behind me because he's the best place for you to be. Because when God is in front of you, it means that he's going to get to that finish line before you every single time, which means that he's already in your future tomorrow. He's already there. He beats you to the line. So he's beats you to tomorrow. He's already there, which means because God is already there, he's able to do two things. Number one, be there ready to comfort you when you come up against those challenges. And those tough circumstances that are giving you anxiety for today, thats he's already there and he knows all about them. He's ready there to embrace you, to love you, to care for you, to help you through those circumstances and situations. You've got the God who created this universe with open arms. You say, hey, it's okay. Come forward. I know there might be some trials. There's going to be some tribulations in your future, but it's okay because I'm already there. I'm before you and I'm ready to comfort you. That's the first one. The second one is that because he's already there, he knows all the tough circumstances that are going to happen in your tomorrow and moving forward from there. Which means because he's already aware of all the troubles and the trials that you're going to go through, he's able to equip himself to be able to equip you with everything that you need to be able to overcome them. If he wasn't there in your future and he didn't know about the trials and the tribulations that you're going to face, he wouldn't be able to equip you with exactly what you need to be able to overcome them. But praise God, he's first. And part of his firstness One of the implications of that means that He arrives there before you. He's already there. Does that not give you you a settledness and just an assurance and a peace in your heart? Knowing and understanding that God is first and out of His firstness, that He is more than your past and anything that it tries to throw at you, to rob you of your peace today. And He is already before you in your tomorrow, ready to comfort you and to give you everything that you need to be able to overcome the challenges that are before you. Is that good? Is that, is that helpful this morning, some sort of way? You know, Because my heart is just to help you guys live from that place of perpetual peace because that's what God has wired you for. And I'm just so sick and tired of seeing the devil just rob people of their incredible the life that God has for them by living out of a place of stress and worry and anxiety. And it's not the way that God has called us to live. You know, We're called to be overcomers and to live in victory. And so this morning, I just pray that you would understand and know God is first and out of that firstness, he is more. And he's before you. Is that good? Yeah. Fantastic awesome.
0: Passage I hand over to you. Oh, why don't we thank Aaron for that great? <clears throat> not just a message, but I just love the heart behind what you shared. I'm so aware that in an environment like this, when we talk about peace, when we talk about living in a place of anxiety or a place of lack, Aaron made a statement. He said it's something that we all face. And I found that to be true at times. I can still remember the morning I was up early getting ready for work, going through some challenges internally, and I had to, I'd actually been baking scones for the kids, as every good dad does. And I just had this thought about the fact that God was there with me, but He had spread a table for me. But that Jesus was there at His right hand, and like you said, He was already in a place where He had actually been there. And so He knew exactly how I felt. You know, this morning He wants to comfort us, He wants to bring peace in our circumstance. But I do want to encourage you with this thought if you're here today and you find yourself living in a place where there is turmoil and there is no peace, it can be for a number of reasons. It could be because of circumstances. Circumstances that you find yourself in. Circumstances that you didn't necessarily cause or orchestrate, but a place where you find yourself in circumstances where it's robbing you of the peace that's available for you. Maybe you're in a place where there. You're living with no peace because of the decisions you've made and life's got into an incredible tangle. You know, it happens to all of us, but there is a peace which is beyond our understanding that's available for us in every situation. Maybe you're here today and for whatever reason you find yourself in a place of a lack of spiritual peace. When God created you and I, he created a spirit, soul and body and That spirit part of our lives can only ever be filled by one thing, and it's a relationship with God. If you're here this morning and you say, well, Adrian, I've never actually ever initiated a relationship with God, and you're telling me that the God, the creator of the universe, that He cares about me, absolutely He does. The Bible says, for God so loved you that He gave His only Son that you could have a relationship with Him. And it's the only way we find true peace in this life which becomes a foundation that we stand on and move forward in life. If there are issues that you face today where there's no peace and there's areas of no peace in your life, and it's raised issues as Aaron's been talking this morning, there are some wonderful organizations in our community that we'd love to be able to put you in contact with. We're a church that has a great team that care about you. We're dedicated to walk with you today and through the things that you face. In a minute, I'm going to ask us to respond to that message that Aaron has just preached. I do believe this, but it's actually a really timely message. It says in Psalm 122, it says this, it says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my family and friends, I say, peace, peace be with you. There are people in this room today, and in your families, there's a lack of peace. In your environment, in your marriage, there's a lack of peace. There's people in this room today, and there's a lack of peace because of decisions you've made. There are people in this room today, and you're not in a place of peace because of circumstances, some that you've orchestrated, some that you haven't. And there are people in this room today, and you're looking for the answers in life. And you're saying, is there a peace that's available for me? And is there a God that exists? In a minute, I'm going to get us all to stand. And I'm going to give us an opportunity to respond to that message. But first, let me ask the question with this. If you're here today and you've never, ever initiated a relationship with Christ, and you say, Adrian, there is a lack of peace in my life, would you pray for me this morning? Absolutely, we'd love to be able to do that. All I'm going to do is simply in a minute, people are going to bow their heads, close their eyes, and I'm going to ask the question, if that's you today, Why don't you just quickly slip up up your hand. I'll see it, I'll acknowledge it, and then we'll pray together. Christians, you're here today, and you live in a place of lack of peace because you know what? You made decisions that took you one degree off in your relationship with God, but now it's become this great big wide gap. And the peace that you used to know, you don't know any longer, but you say, I want to get back to that peace and have that foundation of peace in my life. I'm going to ask you to respond as well. And I'm just going to simply to ask you to pop up your hand. I'll see it, I'll acknowledge it, and then we're going to pray together. Would that be okay? Thanks for choosing to listen to the LifeSource Christian Church Audio Lounge. If you like this week's podcast, then please share it with a friend. More information about who we are is available at lifesource.org.au. On behalf of Senior Ministers John and Anne Iuliano, we look forward to connecting with you next time at the LifeSource Christian Church Audio Lounge.